0: Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, Peter has a special guest on, and if you've been listening to the show, you know we've been doing a series about exit and succession planning, and we've had multiple guests that offer expertise in specific areas of this kind of planning. Today's guest is Richard Glassman, and I'm so pleased, Richard, that you're able to join us. Uh, He is a partner at a Connecticut-based firm called ESOP Plus that specializes in employee stock ownership plans, or ESOPs. Today, we'll be discussing what they are and why a business owner might consider them. Peter, thank you so much for bringing Richard on the show today.
2: Oh, thank you, Eric. I'm real excited to have uh, Rich join us.
1: All right, yeah. So, So how did you and Rich meet in the first place?
2: Uh, Rich was a, uh, a faculty on a uh, continuing education uh, program about exit and succession planning that I participated in, and I so enjoyed his comments and his uh, expertise that I thought I'd bring him
3: on. thought he'd be a great guest.
1: Fantastic. All yeah. right, Rich, thank you so much for being here.
3: It is my pleasure. I look forward to it.
2: Great. Rich, I thought it'd be helpful before we we begin. I thought it, it just might be helpful to just give you a, a give our listeners a, a quick review of my perspective, and which I know you share when it comes to uh, exit planning. I, I thought it might be helpful to quickly review uh, my perspective about exit planning, and we've developed a six step process for for a business owner who's considering an exit at some point in time. And I wanna stress that that every business owner will eventually exit their business. And that exit or transition will be, hopefully on the on the business owner's terms, what I call a planned exit, or it would be a forced transition due to a, a business decline, a sickness or a death. And, and my point is that all businesses eventually will go through a tr- transition. And our, our six step process helps maximize the value to the business owner, and to the business owner's family, uh, for the next generation, for the management team that may be maybe taking over the business, or for the future, a future purchaser of the business. And again, my perspective is that a, a well planned exit one that unfolds over multiple years, three, five, 10 years, or even longer, offers the business owner the, the greatest chance of success. The the first two steps in our exit planning process is really a focus on the business owner's exit goals and their financial and mental readiness to to actually exit the their business. Uh, the business owner's goals and and their readiness are are really important in this process. Before we get into the ESOP details, uh, Rich, could I thought I just could you talk to a little bit about why the business owner might consider an ESOP as it relates to their goals and, and to their, their readiness to, to exit?
3: Um, of course, sure, it'd be my pleasure, Peter. And uh, we, we both do agree on planning is the most important part or certainly one of the most important parts of starting the exit planning process. I do believe that ESOPs are so flexible, they really can meet the needs of many, many business owners. Uh, Whether that business owner is intending to stay and grow his business or the business owner is looking to exit, I honestly believe that the ESOP alternative, that's the way I put it, and of course we'll get into the details in a few minutes, but I honestly believe the ESOP alternative should be considered whenever a liquidity event is being looked for. So it works for that buy excuse me, that, um, that stay-and-grow owner who uh, is looking for liquidity for uh, maybe estate planning or other types of planning, um, uh, net worth planning, or it, of course, works for that person who's going to, uh, to exit the business. Um, as we'll discuss over the next uh, few minutes, next minutes with you, I think you'll see that the alternative can be very attractive, the ESOP alternative, and also the tax benefits that come along with it uh, can make it for a very exciting and beneficial transaction.
2: Rich, when I think about ESOPs, I, I, and I and I know they don't fit in every situation, uh, but when they do fit, in in my my understanding is that the business owner is really able to have uh, their cake and they can eat it too. So with with that in mind what what is an employee stock ownership plan and how does it work
3: sure and of course it's a question that i get asked uh, many many times and um although i don't like to use cliches either uh but <laughs> hopefully uh, the, the the people listening to your to uh, to this presentation will come to understand that if and when the esop alternative is employed it really can be a win 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 a win for the business owner a win for the employees and a win for the company overall. So what is an ESOP? Uh, An ESOP is a benefit plan created for the employees of the company based upon the stock in the company. So it provides a uh, benefit plan, a retirement plan for the employees of the company based upon the value of the company. And to incent business owners to consider selling their shares, selling their stock in the business, some or all, to the ESOP rather than some other alternative, maybe another strategic buyer, maybe a competitor, maybe a private equity group, whatever the other alternatives are, to incent the business owner to look at the ESOP alternative which, as I said a minute ago, provides for this wonderful retirement benefit for the employees. Uh, Congress, when they adopted ERISA back in 1974, so ESOPs have been around a long time, when ERISA was adopted in 1974 and created ESOPs, some wonderful, wonderful tax benefits were put into the law to incent companies and businesses to consider, as we started discussing here this morning, started discussing uh, the ESOP alternative. So in real summary fashion, the ESOP is a liquidity opportunity for the owner of the business, and it's also a retirement plan for the employees in the company.
2: Rich, can, can you describe some of those tax incentives that would be available to the uh, business owner?
3: Sure. So the principal tax uh, advantage, the tax incentive to the business owner, and there are some qualifications you must meet just like in in any rules. Uh, Certainly, I think we probably all would guess whether we know the tax code very little or or a lot. Uh, We'd probably all say the tax code in this country is pretty complicated. So there are a number of requirements, but many uh, transactions do meet the requirements. And if you do meet the requirements, the business owner is permitted to sell, as we said, some or all of his shares to the ESOP and defer potentially forever the capital gains tax on that sale. So let's just take a a very simple example. You have a business worth $10 million and the owner of the business is looking to sell his equity in the business for $10 million. If he sells to the ESOP, and again meets the other requirements, he can defer, potentially forever, capital gains tax on that $10 million sale. At least in uh, today's capital gains environment, we're looking at approximately 25% capital gains tax, 20% federal, and most states probably have somewhere in the range of a 5% capital gains tax. Of course, some less and some much more, Let's just use 25% as a as probably an average across the country. 25% of 10 million dollars is two and a half million dollars. Probably easy for everybody to understand. So the owner of the business who chooses to sell his shares to the ESOP in this particular structure can save up to two and a half million dollars in capital gains tax. Certainly very, very attractive for many business owners.
2: Yeah, that is, that is so powerful. Uh, I, I know, I know there's lots of reasons why a business owner might consider establishing an ESOP, uh, especially when it comes to the exit and succession planning, but it also helps retain and reward key employees. Can you give our listeners some real examples of, of how, how this plays out over, over, over a period of time?
3: Um, Sure. So um, as we we talked about tax incentives, tax benefits, there are also tax benefits to the company and to the employees. And uh, your question focusing more on the employees. So let's look at the employee in the company. The employee working for the company that has created an ESOP will start getting each year that he or she is working for the company he will start getting shares in the company allocated to his retirement account, his ESOP account. Uh, These shares build up, and the value of these shares build up on a tax-deferred basis, uh, the way value does in uh, maybe all retirement accounts. And the employee will see over time, as hopefully he is getting, or she is getting more and more shares, also, the value of the shares, hopefully, if the company's doing well, paying down debt, uh, many, th- many of the things that a company will do to create more value for its shareholders, the company's shares will increase in value. So the employee will hopefully have the benefit of an ever-increasing value in his or her ESOP account. Now, it is a retirement account. So this is money for retirement. Employees can't take this money out uh, while they are employed, but they can start to reap the benefits of the value of their account once they have left the company, usually at or after a normal retirement age. And there are many, many examples in this country where employees making 50, 60, $70,000 a year, more or less, of course, but many, many rank and file employees who walk away at retirement, hopefully maybe some other retirement benefits, but the retirement benefit from the ESOP can easily be in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I actually had an extreme case, and it's always a good example to use, but I must note, this is an extreme case. I had a gentleman, who was working for a short-line railroad in Michigan. The ESOP, as we've started to describe, is a benefit plan created by the company with no contribution from the employee. So this employee who was making approximately $50,000 a year uh, working on the railroad, on this short-line railroad in Michigan, this particular employee walked away when he left the company with an ESOP account and now please, this is the extreme case, but his ESOP account was $2 million. Now, doesn't always happen that well, uh, but we have many, many examples where employees, again, rank and file employees, because the ESOP shares value with all employees in the company, where employees walk away with very, very significant retirement accounts, retirement accounts much, much higher than most people could ever save on their own.
2: Rich, I, I've got another. I've got an example as well. A, engineer at a, a, a closely held family business, and uh, probably about about fifteen or twenty years ago, uh, the first generation established an ESOP, and uh, the second generation uh, worked the business and uh, grew the business, and then eventually sold the business, and that was recently over the last uh, couple of years. And um, my client was uh, one of the engineers and uh, his uh, at the point of his retirement and sale, he walked away with uh, about five point two million dollars in his retirement plan.
3: Oh, that, that's even a better example than the one I use <laughs> just to show, again, no guarantees in life. Uh, exactly just to show what type of retirement benefit employees and there are many great stories i i do say that creating an esop is no guarantee of the future the company still needs to be run well it needs to have good management a good product a good economy all those things that impact the value of a business but there are so many wonderful stories like yours and mine uh where employees in uh, smaller businesses, family businesses, private, what were privately held businesses, where the employees walk away with a retirement benefit that is almost too good to be true?
2: Rich, could you? Uh, we, we talked about the benefits to the employees, and, and and certainly they're they're really powerful. What would be examples of of situations, you know, real situations that you've seen? where the the esop fits well into a a business owner's exit strategy
3: so i I must admit i do have clients the business owner as my client who are looking just for their own financial planning and if the employees get a wonderful retirement benefit i've heard them say that's wonderful but they're looking at the esop for their own financial planning And, and that's certainly fine uh, that's why that's normally the way. Uh, then most of these discussions get started, and it might be that the ESOP is a uh, the best buyer uh, for the company, and maybe in pricing, maybe in terms of timing, maybe in terms of the owner just not wanting to sell out to a competitor or bring in equity from uh, somebody that might want. To, uh, to have some say in control of the business. But for whatever motivates the owner of the business, the ESOP in many, many respects can be that best alternative for the owner. And then of course, on the other end of the extreme from the owner who is just looking to do his or her own financial planning, I do have owners that say, these are the employees that got me to where I am. These are the employees that helped me create the business that I have. If I sell out to a third party, if I sell out to an investor group, if I sell out to a competitor, who knows what will happen to the company? Who knows what will happen to the employees? The products and certain of the employees and the products and the business contacts just might be taken up into the buyer and the particular location the name on the door, all of those things might be lost. Many employees may lose their jobs. Uh, Of course, every situation's different, but the ESOP gives some comfort to that owner of the business who is concerned about having his or the family name on the door for many, many years to come, keeping the jobs in the local community, having a friendly buyer, and that's what I consider the ESOP to be, a friendly buyer who's going to look out for the benefit of the employees and hopefully help through tax benefits and management help grow the company for the benefit of the employees and uh, there are many many owners again whether they're focused solely on the employees or they're focused on their own financial planning of course usually somewhere in the middle or a little of both but the esop alternative can bring all of these benefits to the transaction again benefits to the employees benefits to the company because the company gets tax incentives too as well as the benefits to the selling shareholder so again to bring up the cliche i mentioned a few minutes ago uh, we really hope and expect that the esop is that win 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 uh, that win for all three of the constituencies
2: it seems pretty evident that uh, a, a business uh, that that is going to consider an ESOP really needs to have a, a a real strong management team that can maintain and grow this business in order for, in order for uh, the ESOP to really be uh, successful. Is that a, is that a fair uh, a fair summary?
3: Yeah, I, I guess what I would say, with just a, a little bit of a twist on that, is. You know, possibly every company needs a strong management team <laughs> right. uh, to be successful. Uh, the point. ESOP isn't any different. But I think one of, the, one of the issues with the ESOP alternative that needs to be understood by the selling shareholder or shareholders uh, is that the ESOP does not bring in its own management team. Um, I look at the ESOP as a passive investor. The ESOP does not know how to run the business. The ESOP does not wanna run the business. The ESOP wants to provide that wonderful retirement benefit for the employees. So one of the questions always asked upfront in an ESOP transaction is, who is gonna be running the company the day after the ESOP transaction closes? If it really is an exit for that shareholder, then, who is going to take over the management of the company. The ESOP does not bring in management. So in many of the transactions that I find myself involved in, the owner of the business is looking for the ESOP, at least at the time of the transaction, more for liquidity planning and estate planning. And he or she expects to be with the business for a number of years into the future. And whether they did an ESOP or some other form of transaction, the, the former owner of the business understands that they are responsible for creating that management team that is going to take over for them or he or her when they actually leave the business. So in summary fashion, yes, an important management team, a experienced management team is critical to an ESOP transaction working but I would say it's probably just as critical for the, in the success of of any business that we might be talking about.
2: Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Rich, Rich, who, who are the parties involved in the, in the process of establishing and and maintaining this employee stock ownership plan? And if you could comment, uh, just what are the startup and and ongoing costs of such a
3: plan? Sure. So let's, um, Let's segment your question, if you don't mind, uh, into two pieces. To create an ESOP, since you are creating the buyer, and of course you have the seller, the owner of the business, or the owners of the business, but you are creating the buyer. The buyer of a business, whether the ESOP is buying the business, or again, the buyer is a private equity group, or the buyer is some type of strategic investor, Uh, The buyer is a competitor, whoever the buyer might be, of course in our case the buyer is the ESOP, that buyer is going to have a representative of the buyer, that buyer is going to have legal counsel assisting him or her or them, that buyer most likely is going to have a financial advisor to assist in uh, understanding the finances, negotiating the pricing that is going to be paid for the shares. In an ESOP transaction, it is not any different. The trustee of the ESOP is the representative of the, of the buyer. The trustee is the representative of the trust that is actually going to hold the shares, the retirement plan. So we look at the trustee as the buyer. And that trustee, again, just like any buyer, will have legal counsel and financial advisors assisting him or her in making that decision and negotiating the transaction. So the buy side, again, is very, very similar whether it's an ESOP or not. Uh, The names might be a little different in that you're talking about trustees rather than purchasers, but the trustee is the purchaser. On the sell side, on the the company side that's selling the shares, the shareholders that are selling the shares, uh, again, it's not any different than any sale transaction where someone is buying and selling pieces or all of a a company that was owned uh, by the shareholders. There will be legal counsel and financial advisors on the sell side, just like there are legal counsel and financial advisors on the buy side. Um, So those are the parties it takes to get the transaction done, to put the ESOP in place. Once the company is now fully or partially ESOP owned it's not much different than managing any other benefit plan a 401k plan holds all different stocks and mutual funds usually for the benefit of the employees think of the ESOP as a benefit plan but instead of being diversified like a 401k plan the ESOP invests solely in one stock the stock of the company But that benefit plan is managed just like any other benefit plan a benefit plan has a trustee most people probably don't think of it this way but even a 401k plan has a trustee so the esop has a trustee that trustee may at times um, have legal questions so there should be a lawyer involved for the company that has expertise in erisa expertise in esops and The one of the legal requirements of putting an ESOP in place, since we are talking about stock of privately held businesses, is the ESOP must have on an annual basis, a valuation of those shares owned by the ESOP. So there is a valuation company. That's the financial advisor we talked about when we created the ESOP, we do have a requirement that that valuation company or some other valuation company, but that a valuation company will complete an annual valuation so that the employees can get a statement once a year telling them how many shares they have in their account. But as importantly, what is the value of those shares? So on an ongoing basis, you have a trustee and you have a valuation company. And at times there are some legal questions that need to be answered, and of course those can be answered by the uh, counsel uh, to the company or to the trustee. I, I think that uh, that that this probably is as, as you know in summary fashion uh, talks about uh, the parties to uh, the transaction, both at the creation time as well as the ongoing uh, operation of the ESOP.
2: Do you do you want to speak to the? Uh you know approximate costs. is there is there a range that that a business can can uh, look toward
3: i and i should have mentioned that before and i apologize peter but uh the cost and i guess let me let me put it this way the costs are a little higher than some people might expect and i don't mean to scare people because you are looking at the cost for both sides you're looking at the cost and expense related to the buy side as well as the sell side So if you were selling to a third party, uh, to a strategic buyer, uh, a competitor, whatever it might be, that buyer would be worrying about their costs and not the costs of the company or the shareholder looking to sell his or her shares. So we are looking at the costs of both the buy side and the sell side, the trust side, as well as the company and shareholder side. However, all of these costs are tax deductible and all of these costs can be paid for by the company and not the shareholder. So you do get some tax advantages. Uh, With all of that said, and we do try to work with smaller companies to keep the fees down wherever possible. And so fees do relate in some respects, not all, but in some respects to the size of the transaction, certainly to the complexity of the transaction. So I'm going to have to give you a range uh, but to put it in perspective if you take an average business let's just say the business is worth five to ten million dollars that means let's say it has EBITDA it has cash flow each year of maybe a million to two million dollars somewhere in that range uh, to help your your listeners understand what we're talking about to put an ESOP in place for that type of company uh, that doesn't have too many bells and whistles attached to it, but, but you know, is, a, is a really well-structured transaction, it is probably going to cost the company, again, not either any of the other parties, it's probably going to cost the company approximately one hundred and fifty dollars to $175,000 uh, to put the ESOP in place. Uh, so on a you know, $10 million deal, If you're talking about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, you can see that it's a relatively small piece of the deal. It's a relatively small percentage of the deal, Uh, but it is a meaningful number, and uh, that certainly needs to be understood uh, when someone is looking into a a ESOP transaction.
2: But I think your comment is so interesting that those costs would be part of a buy and a sell those costs still are there for any sort of purchase or sale of a business. And so, yeah, this might be a bit higher, but it's not out of the ballpark <laughs> when it comes to transactions like this.
3: Uh, no. And, and certainly and not to take away from a merger and acquisition professionals, M and A professionals. Uh, but normally every, you know, there's always an exception to the rule, but normally in an ESOP transaction, Uh, That M&A professional who, if he or she was brought in and was attempting to market the company, you know, on a national or international basis, usually just the fees of the M&A professional could be much more than all of the fees we've just discussed. But again, I must must caution uh, that every transaction is different and many times M&A professionals who've been brought in to sell a business uh, do find that the ESOP is the best alternative for their clients. And so the fees might be a little bit higher, but again, hopefully we are finding the best alternative, the best sale transaction, liquidity transaction uh, for the owner of the business.
2: When is it appropriate for an ESOP to to unwind? Uh, We'll be talking about setting it up, but what are the circumstances when the esops accomplished its goal and it's no longer necessary
3: so uh, I, I think the best answer uh, peter that i can give you to that that particular question that comment is that what i find is the vast majority of esops are created with the intent of lasting in into uh into the future into the future forever and ever and ever Uh, The company hopes to become an ESOP company. It hopes to build up that culture of employee ownership, that the employees all have a piece of that business, uh, and that as new employees join the company, uh, they start getting shares. As older employees leave the company, they're getting paid out. And I would say the vast, vast majority of ESOP creations are put in place or implemented with the intent that the company will become an ESOP and that it will stay an ESOP forever and ever and ever. However, once a company is an ESOP, there is no requirement that the ESOP could not be terminated uh, if the appropriate situation comes up. So there is no restriction, there is no requirement that the company stay an ESOP forever. Uh, most of the terminations ESOP terminations that I get involved in relate to the sale of the business. Uh, The business has been around for a while, it's been ESOP owned for a while, it's doing very, very well, and another party comes along and is willing to pay such a price for the business that it makes sense for all of the employees because they're all going to share, you know, based upon their ESOP account, they're all going to share in that, that buyout price You know, maybe similar to the situation that you mentioned of your client who was the engineer, that the ESOP gets terminated because the company gets sold. So that's probably the primary reason why ESOPs get terminated. Uh, There are situations, as you may have been referencing and may have been thinking about, where a company has been an ESOP for a period of time, and they're finding they're just not using the ESOP for that employee culture for building up the ownership ethos uh, within the company, for helping the company run better. And of course, the tax advantages uh, that the ESOP bring uh, can be beneficial. But maybe you find a company where uh, the management team is just not interested in the ESOP any longer, uh, the tax advantages are not providing any real benefit to the company, uh, and the company can make the decision to terminate the ESOP. And just like the company made the decision to create the ESOP, the company has the ability, pretty much free will, it has the free will to make that decision to terminate the ESOP. And ESOPs can be terminated. The employees would all get paid out their fair value at that time. And so the employees still are protected, but the company does have the right at any time in the future to terminate the ESOP if it so chooses.
2: Rich, that, that's really interesting. Just as we're, as we're finishing up here, could you just comment on the, on the ESOP marketplace? You know, Have you seen the numbers of companies adopting them uh, growing? Uh, do you see this changing? And, and finally, has COVID affected your thoughts on this? Sure.
3: What I've seen in the ESOP marketplace in general is really tied very directly, I believe, to the aging of the baby boomer generation. And uh, probably many of your listeners have read about, people have come up with the the words, the silver tsunami, uh, the aging baby boomers, all of these privately-held, family-held businesses that will need to transition. Uh, As you said much earlier, one way or the other, they will transition ownership. And very parallel with that generational shift, we are seeing ESOP activity really pick up. I came into 2020 uh, just on my desk, and I'm just one ESOP lawyer in the country. I came into 2020 with more ESOP transactions on my desk than at the start of any year over the last 15 or 20 years. So we were seeing a very high activity level at the beginning of this year. And I did use the word were, and I um, have to say, unfortunately, that COVID-19, as you've referenced, has had an impact on the ESOP market. Some companies are not having the performance they need to have this year to justify the sale price uh, that the owner of the business wants. Uh, Some companies, of course, are impacted by COVID-19 much more than others. It has also tightened the financing market as banks have either been focusing totally on the PPP loans, and I've heard from many banks uh, that they've provided so many loans pursuant to the government programs this year to assist companies to get through COVID-19 that they just haven't had the time to focus on more normal lending. So we are seeing in the ESOP marketplace what I believe really the whole MA marketplace is seeing, uh, whether it's an ESOP purchaser or a strategic buyer or a private equity group, whatever the alternatives that are being looked at might be, I think all of them. So ESOPs are just, again, one of those alternatives. They're all being impacted by COVID-19. Uh, again, whether it's just impacting the uh, viability of the company to provide um, or reflect the level of performance that the owners want to show to justify the price or the financing market is, um, is also having an impact on getting transactions done. So in summary, deals are still getting done, uh, but the level of activity certainly has slowed down and I expect it will pick up back again, uh, hopefully earlier rather than later
2: yeah i think all of us uh are hopeful that a year from now uh will be in a very different uh circumstance so uh crossing fingers and and hoping for uh the end of (laughs) of of the COVID 19 uh 2020 pandemic we've seen so thanks for your thoughts i certainly hope so yeah and so before we wrap up, Rich, I, I just want to thank you so much for your time and, and, and expertise. It's really been such an interesting conversation and I think such an important uh, alternative for business owners. Uh, when we when we first met, uh, you, you said that the last time you did a podcast, it led to an ESOP that you helped establish for a company in Guam. And uh, just in case our listeners have businesses in exciting and interesting places, uh, please let everyone know how they can reach you.
3: Um, sure, it's it's my pleasure. And uh, yes, the first podcast that I ever did a number of years ago uh, about the ESOP alternative did lead to um, having a client fly me all the way to Guam. I never thought I would be on the island of Guam. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It's always fun to do these transactions with business owners really all over the world. The best way to get to me is either uh, via my cell phone, which is 860-916-3287, and again, 860-916-3287, or the website, and uh, certainly you can learn more about ESOPs. You can learn more about uh, both uh, me and the other people in my firm. Uh, We only focus on ESOPs. That's all we do. So the entire firm is just ESOP-centric, if I can put it that way. And our website is www.esopplus.com. That's E-S-O-P-P-L-U-S dot com. www.esopplus.com. Uh, We look forward to answering questions. There is no obligation. Anybody wishes to contact me via the website, and of course the email is also on the website or my cell phone, uh, all of that contact information is there. And I'd be more than pleased to spend any amount of time with you, your clients, anybody listening in that just wants to learn a little bit more about ESOPs. And uh, Peter, I thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to speak with you today.
2: Uh, thanks, Richard Glassman. This has been great. I really, really appreciate it. And in, in case our listeners do have questions for me, uh, please go to our website at www.raskinplanning.com or email me at uh,
1: peter.raskinlfg.com. So thank you very much. Peter and Richard, this was fantastic. I mean, what a ton of great information. Uh, so many positives, it seems to me. So I, I, I'm going to be rewinding this and listening a bit harder. Uh, that's the beauty of podcasting, right? I can go back and take some notes. Uh, guys again, thank you so much for your time, Peter. Thank you for bringing rich on the show. Thank you. You bet. And of course, last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the wealth is in the details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below this way. When Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.